Well, the season has begun. Welcome back. If you listened to our pilot episode last week, or welcome if you're a new listener, this is State of Play, our Sheffield Shield podcast, the nichest of the niche uh, that you'll find currently in your sport archives. I'm Alastair Belling. My name's Miles Cadet. And we've started, the season started, the podcast has started. What is your take on the week of cricket, Miles? Oh, it's been a pretty fantastic week. The the Sheffield Shield kicked off with a whimper last week with <laughs> rain across Australia and, of course, trust the cricket season to break the drought in, in many parts of Australia. But also live streams oh. going down. All right, we're back. We've had our second major technical issue in three episodes. So... Our pilot episode, we actually recorded the entire episode before the one that you heard was released and that deleted due to an unnamed app not working. And now we've just had our second run of your fortune. And a, uh, a false start there with the recording, but we'll, we'll uh, move on anyway. We, we got in about 10 minutes in before we realized that only one minute of audio had been recorded. So, we're going to blow over the news from the UAE as quickly as we can stay sane with, going so, over it again, and yeah. then we will blow around the grounds and give you our picks for the week coming up. Let's do it. So, Australia obviously came out of the first test in Dubai, heels, you know, up, they felt felt pretty good, held on for a good draw. It, it really reminded me of the 1971 British... Aussie spirit where we went down I think I think we lost the series uh, it was two all in the end but we lost the ashes okay but we were staring down the barrel of a 3-1 defeat and this was right at the start of the Marsh Lily Willy Nilly Thompson era yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the, and and Dilly uh, and Dilly and Dilly and the guys dug really deep I think it was at a test at Lords and managed to draw the game and sort of get that jovial fighting spirit back and it really was the signifier of a new era of Australian cricket and that was what I was feeling we were sort of seeing there for a moment it felt era defining didn't it but in the end uh, we arrived in Abu Dhabi and with a really really positive start Nathan Lyon taking four wickets in six balls Nathan everything Lyon was good but putting on a subcontinental clinic the Pakistanis sadly uh, the batters went up for it and we Absolutely crumbled, mm. which does make it basically the best time ever to be a shield batter. And, and that is something that when we go, I'm just going to cross straight to the shield now because that's that's why we're here. Will Petrovsky, is that how we say it? I always Pukowski, get Pukowski, yeah. Oh, sorry, Will. What a time for him to be peaking with a 311 ball double century, nearly 250, in fact. Um, I mean, Peter Hanscom, obviously knows a bit about what it's like scoring a double hundred on the eve of the first test coming in. Mm. What do you make of that? What what message do you think that sends to the selectors? Are they going to be listening to a 20-year-old doing that? Look, I think selectors are smarter than your average social media punter who, you know, <laughs> there's the hordes of angry Australian fans saying, why wasn't Bukowski picked for the Australian team? And you think, well, he's 20 and he's come back from an injury and he's just had one good innings. And obviously, it was a really fantastic innings and by far the standout from uh, 
the whole opening round of Shield games. Only, I mean, he, he the, only his, one other century, yeah. He didn't drag his feet at all. And it was Bradman-esque in the sense, I don't want to throw that word around pointlessly, but in the sense that everything was hit on the ground. There was yeah. nothing, there was, it never looked like there was any chance of him being caught. He, like he edged a couple through the slips here and there, but he really took it to the WA attack. Um, Particularly to Green, he tonked him all over the place. And it, it was just satisfying to watch. Yeah. It was, like, it was like watching Uzi Kawaja at the start of his career when he was that clinical, technically proficient sort of like PhD batting student in a way. Yeah, and certainly way ahead of his peers that are the same age as him in, in terms of batting and does look one for the future. I don't think he'll get a test run though. He's got to have a he's got to have a couple of good seasons, you know, before. But maybe maybe there's enough spots open and it'd be a bit premature. The thing is, the only batsman in Australia at the moment, excluding Smith and Warner, obviously, with substantial test experience, are Kawaja and the Marsh brothers. And Kawaja's obviously injured. The axe is about to fall on Sean Marsh. I mean, we spoke about this. In our in our defeated take just ten minutes ago, but it's worth revisiting because timing is everything in terms of making the Aussie s- squad. As much as we don't want the Shield to be a training ground, I feel like those first two or three rounds of the Shield, that's when you really want to put that best foot forward, and that's when you can get performances that really count. Look, and you never know; he may well be a bolter. Let's talk about um, uh, the rest of that game over in Perth. So West Australia lost by an innings. Uh, remarkable match, really, given how strong the West Australian squad does look on paper. Especially at home. I, I, I was expecting... I was expecting Hilton Cartwright to have a way bigger game than he had. But going for 7 and 14, respectively, in each innings, I think he'd be insanely disappointed because he's had his go at the test level. He wants to make a statement. He had a fairly strong JLT as well, but he just didn't show up in, in, in WA. Which I think just goes to show that you really can't count out Tremaine and Boland. They have been bowling for Victoria for a very long time and consistently performing. Um, you know, very limited um, cracks at international cricket for them, but they've been consistent for... Uh, Victoria for a long, long time, and you know we, we talk about the Wacker being helpful for fast bowlers, but um, you know they really had a field day against um, West Australia twice in a row. Yeah, Chris Tremaine particularly is applying the pressure. A return of of four for thirty seven from fourteen overs. That's it's it's almost as stifling as a day without any sort of Fremantle doctor blowing in. I think the only real resistance we saw in that first Western Australian innings was my man Stoinis, who I think had a very impressive shield debut um, across the board for that team. And that is that is something that they can take away from that and be proud mm, both about. Both with bat and ball. He was the, their best in the first innings with the bat. And he was their best in the first innings with the ball as well, four for 73. Yeah, a, big, a really big pickup for, for that team. And he's, I think, a pretty good shout for the test side, especially if, if Mitch Marsh has... Um, if he picks up a niggle or if, um, you know, if, if he has a bad first test or first couple of tests against India, then I would not at all be surprised to see Stoinis earn a baggy green. And it's and it's time for the genuine all-rounders to stand up. I mean, say what you like about Shane Watson. I think he was forever dealing with being in Jack Callis's era mm. and in his shadow. And I don't think it's... I almost feel like it's not worth trying to turn someone into that. That's something that just... 
comes along once once in a generation. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not yeah. saying stoyness is is like that by any means, but I do think that stoyness doesn't have that same comparison that he has to deal with. I think he's far more level headed. He's far calmer with the way he goes about his playing. He's my favorite player in the shield. I think I, I love watching the way he applies himself across the board. And the, the stuff he's done for the one-day squad for Australia has been so helpful and enormous for us. So I, I agree. I feel like if, he, if he's the kind of person who can stand up to pressure, which I think he is, I think we're going to see him have a big few weeks. So Western Australia basically fell to one outstanding batting performance from Will Pukowski. Let's Let's move on over to Adelaide, where we probably saw the match of the round, really. Now, I was saying this earlier... I love a rain-affected test match in the sense that, like, I feel like it's a bit different in Australia where it can rain for three days and wash out an entire game. But if you have a classic English test where you have a couple of hours of rain just putting the pressure on people to bat a little bit differently, bowl with more intention, you know, it might it might influence who you're fielding, it might influence, like, where you put your declarations. I feel like that's the sort of drama that the weather was bringing to this clash. And it's often around breaks that you see action happening just before a lunch break, just after a lunch break. And when there's rain, it just adds more more of those breaks, really, more, it's, it's, more it's, potential it's, action spots. It's the killing season as far as Test cricket goes. I think the main talking point from this game was Trent Copeland's performance around who, the board. Who kicked it off not with the ball as we're so used to seeing, but with the bat. Top scoring with an unbeaten half century. So it was a really excellent performance and rescued what could have been a really bad first innings coming in at uh, 8 for 147. A, a capitulation of sorts from the New South Wales uh, top order. I mean, Hughes and Enrique's put up a good fight. But nothing else to speak of. Nothing really, yeah. else to speak of at all. I mean, to be fair, Peter Neville copped an absolute peach of the ball from many who was on fire in the first innings. Yeah, with um, 5 for 39. The combination of him and Sayers across this game, I think really... They, they will be feeling particularly hard done by because I think the Redbacks had a really good shot at this game for a majority of it, particularly at the start of the New South Wales second innings. Once they got that combo of Hughes and Larkin and out with Patterson and, Mon- and Enrique, Enrique's falling cheaply, they had them by the throat. And the problem with South Australia is they'll always be consistent with the ball, but can they use you know, the really quite experienced lineup that they've got consistently enough to back up those bowling performance. And we saw that a number of their players uh, making starts and a number of players really that um, could be playing at, at test level or international level. In the future, at least. Jack Lehman's first goal as captain really stepped up to the plate. And it's, co- it's good to see someone who, when they become captain, their run scoring rate increases as opposed to decreases because of the pressure. Hmm, that's an interesting point. And so South Australia managed only about 30 runs um, lead on first innings. New South Wales um, st- started off poorly in their second innings, but eventually Peter Neville and Jack Edwards, um, who was on his Shield debut, dug in. And there was a moment there, Al, where they could have... They were in and they could have accelerated and given themselves something more like 60 overs to bowl at. Um, at South Australia, but in the end, they, they batted cautiously, which probably was fair. I mean, you can't blame Edwards on debut in a complicated situation with the game. Also with 
you know, the where we're at in the season probably playing on his mind. I feel like it really was up to Neville with his experience, with his captaincy. His captain. mm. with, it, with his captaincy to push those things along. But coming in at the end in a second innings with 72 of 147, it was never going to give New South Wales the momentum that I think they really needed to take the game away from the Redbacks. Well, it was an awkward situation for them really, which was a win was probably just too far away from them. They probably didn't have enough time or enough runs really. I mean, but also... They could have pushed it, but... Also though, Lehman, 33 using up 126 deliveries. That's up there with your um, uh-huh. Where's My Phone Recharger, Usman Khawaja in the UAE in terms of a match-saving innings of sorts because when you look at the rest of when you look at the rest of the, that Redbacks lineup, they were falling around him like sticks. Jake Weatherall, three. Connor McInerney. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close actually. <laughs> Mac- McInerney. Connor McInerney, 13 from 18. Callum Ferguson never seems to get going anymore. Three runs from four in, in his first dig. He only got about 20-odd as well. To be fair, he was a potential man of the series <laughs> in the one-day tournament. But. but, you know, what's in the past is in the past. We, I've, I think New South Wales at multiple points here were able to wrestle it back, but they just weren't quite able to, to capitalise on the way that the yeah. Redbacks really started giving the game over to them at certain points. And, you know, if they're just giving themselves another 10, 15 overs, who knows what could have happened, really? Well, speaking of collapses and look i don't know if you saw tim payne's press conference but i really loved what he said about how this batting collapse issue is a shield issue just as much as 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 it's an international issue because when you got this queensland squad let's look at the names that are lining up in this side that got bowled for 93 You've got Joe Burns heading out for 16. You've got Hazlitt. You've got McSweeney going out. You've got Wildermuth not doing anything. This is massive. This is, I think, a really worrying sign just in terms of how we are as a batting nation to see this happening. I think it's really good both for test cricket and for shield cricket for international captains to be acknowledging the connection between um, trends in the shield and at the test level. It's something that has been ignored largely because we were able to rely on a generation of once-in-a-generation players for such a long time. You're Matthew Hayden's Talangas handing over to your Clarks and your Kadiches. It's it's not the usual sort of rebuilding that, you know, your basic footy team might have to go through over a period of four or five years. No, and we're having we're having to see not just not just a lineup of seven players, but we need 10, 12 batsmen who are able to perform at the test level. And to get 10 or 12 test-ready players out of the shield, you need the shield's batting standards to be high enough for that. And it seems annoying to be talking about batting all the time because, you know, cricket's as much a bowler's game as it is a batsman's game. But at the same time, if your batting standard's higher, your bowling standard's going to be higher just by extension. I think it's no surprise that you have your Shane Warne and Brett Lee and Glenn McGrath coming in with your Hayden, your Gilchrist, your Ponting, because how on earth are you going to be able to get those kind of guys out in in normal everyday mm. shield life even unless but, you're able to take it to them? That's a really fantastic point. And it also just is the case at the moment that we're blessed with a generation of really, really good fast bowlers, um, you know, fast bowling stocks. So 
uh, Jackson Bird took 10 wickets for the match and he we're, went... If we, we're talking about Queensland, Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're jumping over. Yeah, my bad. 10 <laughs> wickets. He went for about 70 or 80 runs. Peter George in the first dig for Queensland, I think, had a, had a performance that went a bit unnoticed. Four for 76 with a return of 2.53 off 30 overs. That's that's good signs for Queensland, particularly on a really strangely green Gabba pitch. Oh, you can hardly tell it from the outfield, really. I, I've never in my life seen the balls swinging at the angles, particularly with Bird and Rainbird. That those two, <laughs> Bird and Rainbird, yeah. I love it. Particularly with the way that they were getting movement through the ball there, you would have thought they were playing at Trent Bridge or Durham. Yeah, it really was. Quite something. It was, it, it was fairly reminiscent, actually, of uh, Hobart against South Africa a couple of years back. Very, very green pitch. On Peter George, some listeners might not know, he is actually an Australian test player. He has played one game. Um, I think it was in India. But uh, we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. I feel so sorry for the, for the one test wonders. Yeah. like for, for like because, because forever you're going to be... You're sort of in this like elite, sad category. And it's almost like worth like I would I don't know if you'd rather have three tests and never get your go again like like your one series wonders like George Bailey, or be be the single test yeah. that your green was only donned once you don't even have the yeah. sweat marks to prove it yet. The sad thing for for George's performance was that that first Tasmanian innings um, was actually a really interesting innings to watch. Um, the way it went was um, Silk went after you know seeing out the new ball and then Doolan and Webster were in and if anyone was watching it was actually incredibly slow cricket for a very very long time they're going at one and over or even less maybe half a run the first, and over the first two hours was a snooze fest and then Doolan accelerated like he flipped modes unbelievable really really very impressive innings from him to be able to move on from where he was at where he his first hundred runs first hundred balls sorry brought Perhaps twenty runs, twenty five runs, and then, he hits, and then he hits eighty off his next eighty balls. Yeah, so really, really good performance, and on that kind of deck to be able to get three hundred and fifty really set up the game, and it was kind of inevitable from there, especially given um, the Tasmanian fast bowling lineup. What do you think, Matty Wade wants to get out of this season? If Look, you're Matthew Wade, how are you approaching this? Because like he he hasn't had that bad of a bad, bad of a start to his Shield uh, campaign. He's got, he's got he's got 72 in his first innings, uh, second innings 51 as well. So back to back half centuries, and his keeping continues to improve. He, the thing with Wade is, I I don't think I think that Langer and the Australian national kind of selection team are gonna back Payne for the long haul, and Payne and Wade are similar ages. I think what Wade needs to do is he might he may stay uh, as the Tasmanian keeper and that is likely but I think Wade really needs to consider himself a test selection candidate as a batsman Pure, and purely as a batsman you know since since Haddon he has been our best batting keeper I th- I think and that that's going to be an incredibly unpopular opinion yeah I mean so many people, a lot of people like a lot of people liked Neville but he averages 21 or something at test level it's just he had some brave performances but it really wasn't enough what's what's Wade's average at test level oh it's still not that great it's only around about 30 but but for a keeper I mean 15 years ago that's all you needed that's <laughs> unless you're Adam Gilchrist well or and, Sangakara. and that's the thing like the the Gilchrist and Sangakara and even even um oh <laughs> Uh, one of the old, oh, and even McCullum. 
Like those guys were the ones that really changed the game and made it complicated. So I think Wade does need to do a McCullum really and drop the gloves because McCullum started strong in international cricket, but then actually once he dropped once he dropped the keeping duties, then he really kind of came into his own as a batsman. And look, Wade. I think it's fair to say will be one of the consistent performances in in the Tasmanian batting lineup. And like we were saying before, <laughs> there's plenty of spots he could well get a run. You know, who knows? But look, great performances there from Jackson Bird in this game in particular. Ten wickets for the match. Um, oh, that Queensland second innings was just ugly to watch. When you've got a top score of sixteen. <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's a Fox Sports highlight reel just waiting to happen. That's going to stick around. For well, a long it's ugly time. to watch unless you're a fan of seam bowling on seam friendly pitches. Because, it, it, yeah, because to be fair, not all of it was horrible batting. There was just some incredible delivery sent down by Bird. Um, I mean, he really ran rampant in this in in this innings. And I don't know what any other team could could really do to this. Like, if Queensland had gotten one fifty in their chase. That still would have been a big loss, but it would have been it, it would have looked better on paper as opposed to what eventuated. No, I wonder if the best way for the Australian team to prepare for the Ashes for next summer over in England, I wonder if they just need to you know get Bird, Bell, Rainbird, and Rogers to have a crack at them <laughs> on a green Gabba pitch. Or, or down in Tasmania, probably even even better. As soon as it starts raining, run to the nets and start to limber up. I think that's the best training regime that we can have. That's All right. right. Well, let's have a run around the grounds uh, for the upcoming rounds. Uh, kicking off on the 25th at the G, all the 100,000 empty seats will be beholding New South Wales, uh, bringing it to the Vicks. And, you know, Victoria coming off a strong away performance, they'll be looking to, you know, score big runs again. I can't get a beat on New South Wales, though, because I, I said last week, this is their rebuilding series season. I think, to me, New South Wales are the North Melbourne kangaroos of this year for the AFL. In terms of, I think the fans had no expectations. You have your amazing Ben Brown player in New South, in New South Wales, like your own Reeks or your Neville or your Hughes or, or Copeland even. But... They seem to be playing with a sort of young enthusiasm that's infectious. And I was incredibly surprised that South Australia didn't beat them. I think there's huge signs of potential there. Yeah, could be a great game. But I still think the Vicks are going to be too good yeah, here. I, I agree. I agree as well. Especially if they play Glenn Maxwell. And he and he is one who genuinely, genuinely will want to be back in that test side. Especially now with his BFF, Aaron Finch. Not you know his 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 spot in the side isn't cemented by any means, but he's certainly he he was certainly a standout in the UAE. So I think Maxwell's definitely going to want backing on. That oh, I agree for a home summer especially. And uh, up next we have Queensland going from one seam bowling attack to another over in Adelaide. Oh, I'm picking Vic- yeah, so I'm picking Victoria for that first game. I agree. Yeah, I'm going to pick South Australia for this second game. I think comfortably South Australia unless unless the rain interferes again down down in Adelaide and Queensland will be looking to bounce back but it's going to be tough their weaknesses against a moving ball have been exposed and the South Australians have a number of players who can move it both off the seam and and in the air as well Joe Burns will be looking to have a big one for Queensland Um, I'd love to see I 
I'd love to see Peter George uh, have another good return. And I'd love to see Wildermuth. Wildermuth, Wildermouth. Uh, really justify his place in that st- in that state squad as well because I mm. think he's got a lot of a lot of potential that's really exciting. Yep, I agree. And uh, the one I'll be watching out for in South Australia will be Jake Weatherold, who I'm picking as a test player. I think he's going to play fifty or sixty tests. He's got the talent there it for is. it. <laughs> so I'm 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 backing him. This really for a can performance. This really can be the podcast of future predictions. That's right. Now, so I think South Australia will take that one out. I agree. And now I would say this is probably the match of the round, Western Australia versus Tasmania. But I'm just not trusting the Warriors at the moment. I feel like people are singing their praises all over the place, whether it be... You, including you, ourselves. Including <laughs> ourselves. Whether it be your, your bonafide JLT champions before the, the matches have even started or whatever. I think Tasmania is really going to take it to them in this game. Yeah, and they'll be playing on a, a deck that suits... The kind of more medium pacey, try and you know wobble it around off a length, but obviously their their bowls will be feeling really good. And when you know you've taken wickets in the past, it's pretty easy to you run in with with an extra bit of confidence. And against a Western Australian batting lineup that will be lacking confidence, really. Grinder Sandu is my man to watch for this game if they play him. Hard whacker deck. He's really really coming well he came into his own in the JLT for for the Tigers so I think mm. this is a great chance for him to really establish himself and as I a think, genuine contender I think the question for Western Australia is Stoyness performed last game Philippe performed he got a century mm-hmm. action in the second innings but other than that you know can any of the the rest of their lineup stand up so I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Tazzy okay I think it'll go for a draw I think I don't think the bowlers will have enough to perform off a less helpful deck over at the Wacker All right, well, to wrap this up, we're going to keep it a bit shorter this time because we've heard the cries of our fans and we agree that 47 minutes is maybe a, maybe a little bit excessive. We're going to bring in a new segment that is... It's a visual segment, unfortunately, but you've got commentary to go with it. So it, this is called the domestic moment of the day. So the way this works is uh, we've found, thanks to the help of usually Robe Linda too, a uh, <laughs> a moment from Australian domestic cricket history, and one of us will pick the uh, pick the video, and then the other one will commentate it as they see it. So here we go. We're heading over to. So I picked the video this week. But so how this is just going to work? I'm just going to set the scene really quickly. So this is kind of like your ending credits, and think of it as set. You're listening to 702 on a hot summer day. Jim Maxwell is commentating, otherwise known as Miles Cade, for this week. Miles, take it from here. So we've got Stuart McGill here bowling into, looks like Adam Voges. Half full toss on the pads and he's smacked it for six. Straight into the ING sign. $50,000 for a young, punky, frosted to oh, Adam Voges. Oh, look right at there him. for the Warriors. And he's batting with a young Marcus North there. The crowd, who might I say, is quite sizable here. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't see that these days. <laughs> it's, it's quite sad, actually, seeing it packed out. Over in WA, by the looks of things as well, the old whacker. So here we go. On the replay, it's a low full toss. And you wonder if maybe Voges has had a word to McGill here and said, look, if you can put it on the full on my pads, I reckon I can hit that sign. I mean, I'm pretty sure from from reading the comments and listening to, uh, I think from Tony Gregg, I believe, the late Tony Gregg commentating here, that was one of Voges' first ever games. And he went on to Tonka Century in that. 
I mean, it shows you the difference in terms of where we're at with cricket, though. Like, 30 overs in, one for 164. That was, I would think, like a really unbeatable position. Oh, I mean, in a first yeah, I mean, back then. back then, if you got 270-280 in a one-day game, you're, you're feeling pretty good about it. But, you know, great moment. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Catch you then.